from deep inside your radio. Ladies and gentlemen, first things first, I want to uh, deny some published reports, or they might have been published, I don't even know, that uh, Comcast is planning to buy this program. We are not for sale to Comcast, at least at the, uh, at the present offer, the present price, which I believe was zero. You know, the uh, colony collapse disorder that has been plaguing the bees, you remember the bees, they pollinate our food crops um and uh to uh, for a long time scientists have begun to find stronger and stronger linkages between that problem and the use of certain pesticides uh, of a class known as neonicotinoids you may notice there's a word in there that's familiar to you inside neonicotinoids it'll become more apparent in a moment bees may be doomed According to the Royal Society of Chemistry's publication, Chemistry World, bees may be doomed, I say, to consume nectar contaminated, or as we say in English, contaminated, with neonicotinoid pesticides, according to new behavioral studies carried out by British researchers. Well, of course, it's British researchers. They care about the bees. In contrast to previous research, behavioral studies now suggest the insects do not avoid feeding on nicotinoid-treated plants and may even be choosing to do so, therefore ingesting far higher amounts of the pesticides than most toxicity studies had accounted for. What? Neonicotinoids. Recognize the word yet? Systemic pesticides of that family were once hailed as a green alternative. What they do is they coat the seeds with the pesticide, so it's more targeted than blanket spraying of the plants. And tests seem to suggest that their acute toxicity to useful insects like bees is low. But since the emergence of colony collapse disorder, researchers have revisited the pesticides and uncovered that evidence that they may be linked to declining bee populations. The EU two years ago banned the use of certain neonicotinoids on flowering crops. That ban runs until December. A key argument of those who originally opposed the ban, including the United Kingdom government, was that bees in their natural environment would choose not to feed on the nectar from plants treated with those pesticides. This was backed up by a UK study a couple years ago saying that the uh, neonicotinoid pesticides imparted a bitter taste to the plants and the bees would avoid it. Now, new research combining behavioral observations and neuroscience casts doubt on this conclusion. A group at Newcastle University used neuron recording techniques to show that neither honeybees nor bumblebees are able to identify neonicotinoids by their bitter taste sensation. The researchers were surprised to find that even though the food tastes the same with or without the pesticide, the insects tended to eat more of the contaminated food. Spotted the word inside neonicotinoid yet? Neonicotinoids target the same mechanisms in the insect brain that nicotine affects in ours, says the chief researcher. The bee's preference for food containing nicotinoids suggests that like nicotine, nicotinoids may act like a drug that makes the bees crave more of the same food. The social structure of the colony could amplify the damage. If foraging bees prefer to connect nectar-containing nicotinoids, this could have a knock-on negative impact on whole colonies and on bee populations, according to the chief researchers. So they may be hooked. 
got to keep them out of bars now that there's no smoking in bars. And speaking of your brain on the war on drugs, the head of the Drug Enforcement Administration is stepping down next month following those revelations last week about sex parties involving prostitutes overseas and other misconduct among its agents. Michelle Leonhardt, who served at the helm of the DEA since 2007, oh, a Bush appointee, eh, has come under heavy criticism on Capitol Hill since the Inspector General's report documented a series of episodes in which agents hired prostitutes and have had sex parties with women hired by Colombian drug cartels. The Obama White House has repeatedly declined opportunities to express continued confidence in Leonhard. This is your brain on the war on drugs stepping down. Hello, welcome to the show. Chefs are in the alleyway Throwing down They're high on PCP When I'm around They don't recall a thing Or their favorite meal Till they are Coming down You smack me in the eyes And take my side You cut my world in half Baby, on my night A bag of lazy spine I can take my life When I am Coming down When I am Coming down When I am Coming down You amputate my head Bye. 
from the oily edge of America, New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen. You want me to love you. All that you must do is just say so. Now, I don't want to say that people who begin their answers in interviews, their answers to questions, with the word so, as if they're continuing a thought when they're actually just starting. I don't want to say that they're sociopaths, but I would like to suggest that they are so-say-so paths. Some examples follow. It's my understanding uh, from you uh, that zoos and aquariums now in the United States, despite what's happening to SeaWorld and Ringling Brothers, are more popular than sporting events. Is that right? So I don't know that they're more popular than sports, certainly. Is that a good thing? Should they get rid of the same sorts of things that we're hearing about SeaWorld and Ringling Brothers? Well, so I think the characterization that the animals work for their food as a bad thing is interesting. Would you prefer sanctuaries to zoos? So I think that both have an important role to play. How about the research that we have heard about? Would it be possible uh, if we didn't have wild animals uh, in in custody in one place or another? Um, So I think there's there's a, a hope that we're reaching more people. How do you respond? Um, So the the question as to whether or not we have research about the effectiveness of this, we do have some. So we are now introduced to UMSO as a new variant. But but wait, there's more. So, I mean, so wait, there's more. There are a lot of NGOs. Elaborate on that. Yeah, so... um Going along with what Bronwyn said, there's something like between six and 8,000 registered NGOs in Kenya. Why are there so many NGOs there? Uh, so it's partly to deal with issues in Kenya, so issues of development. What's that about? So what Kenyatta's done, um, and, and it's unclear if it's Kenyatta or it's other people um, in the government, but there have been a number of bills proposed, although none have been, been passed yet, that would limit foreign funding of NGOs to 15%. Why would he want to do that, or why would the government want to do that, anybody in the government? Mm-hmm. So the government has said that, or repeatedly said that NGOs are doing things like undermining the state. And we have now met, mm-hmm, so... It's metastosizing. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get the kids up off the floor, shall we? At least for the rest of the year. Home Depot confirmed this week it is phasing out a class of toxic chemicals, phthalates, P-H-T-H. I think we went through this once. Yeah, there are other words with that combination. Anyway, phthalates out of vinyl flooring sold by Home Depot. Other retailers, not uh, not the same amount of alacrity at getting rid of it. Phthalates are plasticizers, oh well then, and are considered hazardous. The Consumer Product Safety Commission banned them from toys in 2009, but they continue to be used in other products because, hey, the whole world's a toy, really, when you think about it. Flooring is especially a problem because children play on the floor. If you don't have them in controlled activities, a growing body of credible scientific evidence has linked exposure to phthalates with serious threats to human health, including, let's see which of these has increased in recent years, asthma, 
harm to male reproductive organs, brain development, and the immune system. Phthalates can migrate out of flooring materials and get into the air and dust inside humans. You don't dust in there? According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, over 90% of Americans have measurable levels of phthalates in their bodies. A new study released by the Ecology Center found that most vinyl flooring contains phthalates. Samples were purchased from Lowe's and Lumber Liquidators. The study researched also major retailers to assess whether they've adopted policies to eliminate phthalates. Home Depot is far ahead of its competitors by being ready to get rid of it. By the end of this year, tell the kids to play on the roof. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as mentioned last week, we're uh, marking the fifth anniversary of the Deepwater Horizon oil spill here in southern Louisiana. The Associated Press is, too, say they. The industry is working on drilling even further into the risky depths beneath the Gulf of Mexico to tap massive deposits once thought unreachable. Opening this new frontier miles below the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico requires engineering feats far below, far beyond those used at the BP Macondo well, much shallower by far. Critics say energy companies haven't developed the corresponding safety measures to prevent another disaster or contain one if it happens, a sign, they say, that the lessons of BP spill were not learned. Gee, imagine that. These new depths and larger reservoirs could exacerbate a blowout, the kind that uh, happened at the Macondo well. Hundreds of thousands of barrels of oil could spill each day, and the response would be slowed as the equipment to deal with it is shipped 100 miles or more from shore. Since the Macondo disaster, which sent at least 134 million gallons into the Gulf, federal agencies have approved about two dozen next-generation ultra-deep wells. The number of deep water drilling rigs has risen from 36 at the time of 35, sorry, at the time of the Macondo blowout to 48 last month, according to the date uh, from IHS Energy. That's a Houston company that collects that kind of statistic. Department of Interior officials overseeing offshore drilling didn't provide data on these wells and accompanying exploration and drilling plans, although the AP requested that information last month. But a review of offshore well data by the AP shows the average ocean depth of all wells started since 2010 has increased to 1,767 feet, 40% deeper than the average well drilled in the five years previous. And that's just the depth of the water. Drillers are exploring a golden zone of oil and natural gas that lies roughly 20,000 feet beneath the sea floor. It's Jules Verne country, baby. Through a thirty, uh, sorry, through a ten thousand foot layer of prehistoric salt, far deeper than the Macondo well, which was considered so tricky at the time that a rig worker killed in the blowout once described it to his wife as "quote the well from hell." Unquote. This is yes, this is deeper than hell. <laughs> so you could laugh, Satan. Geophysicists estimate oil companies can unleash Saudi Arabian like gushers of these unprecedented depths from fields capable of yielding up to 300,000 barrels of oil a day. It's a fossil, it's a fossil fuelicious future we are looking at. Temperatures and pressures, the, continu- the conditions that make drilling so risky get more intense, 
the deeper you go. And the ancient salt layer brings extra wild cards for your viewing pleasure. Yeah, it's almost as if nothing was learned five years ago when Tony Hayward, the head of BP, said those immortal words in the middle of the uh, cleanup, I want my life back. I should have been chilling I did the right thing And they made me a villain I want my life back Away from the gusher They gave me my life back Sent it to Russia
And now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. First, President Obama. I want to express our grief and condolences to the families of two hostages. One American, Dr. Warren Weinstein, and an Italian, Giovanni Laporto, who were tragically killed in a U.S. counterterrorism operation. As president and as commander-in-chief, I take full responsibility for all our counterterrorism operations, including the one that inadvertently took the lives of Warren and Giovanni. I profoundly regret what happened. On behalf of the United States government, I offer our deepest apologies to the families. The killings occurred, I believe, in January. It took a while. Uh, the CIA had told President Obama that uh, they could be nearly certain that only the people they were targeting were going to get killed by the drones. But nearly certain is not the same as certain. In the statement of the Washington Post, Google has apologized for the image of its Android mascot urinating on an Apple logo. We're sorry for this inappropriate user-created content. We're working to remove it quickly, Google spokesperson Mara Morris, Mara Harris sorry, said in a statement. We learned from these issues, and we're constantly improving how we detect, prevent, and handle bad edits. The now-removed visual was located in Pakistan, Near the city of Rawalpindi, it was added to Google Maps through a feature called MapMaker. It allows users to add content and additional information to user maps, uh, to, to Google Maps. There, uh, this particular account, Nitric Boy, is only one of many trolls that have shown off weaknesses in Google's apparently non-existent review process of the MapMaker function. Dateline, Oklahoma City, Tulsa County Sheriff Stanley Glanz apologized to the family of an unarmed black man who was shot and killed by a white reserve deputy who has said he mistakenly pulled his gun instead of a taser. <laughs> That's cute. In a televised news conference, Glanz acknowledged, Glanz acknowledged his longtime friendship with the reserve deputy, Robert Bates, 73 years old. Bates has said he meant to use the stun gun during an undercover operation he participated in. He's been charged with second-degree manslaughter. In the death of 44-year-old Eric Harris. Harris was shot and killed when he fled after allegedly trying to sell a gun illegally to an undercover officer. Bates tried to help officers subdue Harris. Lawyers for the Harris family say they were not planning to file a lawsuit against the sheriff's office. Glantz defended Bates's training record and qualifications and denied falsification of training documents alleged in a news report. We are sorry Eric was taken for, from you, he said to the family. For this, I am sorry, and my sympathy goes out to that family. Meanwhile, black uh, police officer shoots an unarmed white man. No, that didn't happen. Marissa Holcomb said she was fired from her job as manager of a Texas Popeyes because she couldn't pay back money that an armed robber stole from her while she was managing the Popeyes. The money stolen from her at gunpoint during her shift at the cash register. The robber took about $100 from the chicken franchise in Texas. Less than a day after harrowing ordeal, Holcomb's manager de demanded that she pay back the stolen money when she refused to replenish the lost cast. She was fired. I'm struggling for my family because I had to do what I had to do to keep my life, she said. She's five months pregnant. The Popeye's franchise 
owner says Holcomb was keeping too much cash in the register. She said she didn't intend to leave that much cash. The restaurant was running a $1.19 two-piece chicken special that day, and the place was swamped with diners. Popeye's franchisee Z&H Foods met with her and apologized and offered to reinstate her. We're pleased that our franchise has, a franchisee has addressed this matter and sincerely hope this employee will join the team soon. As a franchisee of the Popeye system, said the franchisee, not Popeye's, our organization strives to provide the best possible work experience for our employees. We clearly did not do that in this case, and we've apologized to the employee personally. We'll compensate her for a lost time from work and have invited her to rejoin our company. We deeply, deeply regret the way this matter was handled. The team behind an episode of PBS's Finding Your Roots that glossed over Ben Affleck's slave-owning ancestry has apologized. Executive producers Henry Louis Gates, Jr., he's a professor of history, and Dylan McGee, I don't know what he does, or her, she, you could be Dylan, you could be anything, addressed, you could be Bruce Jenner, for all I know, addressed a note of apology to PBS, PBS station managers after word leaked that Affleck requested the genealogy show omit the fact that one of his relatives owned slaves. In the note, Gates and McGee expressed regret over, quote, not sharing Mr. Affleck's request that we avoid mention of one of his ancestors. Unquote. We apologize for putting PBS and its member stations in the position of having to defend the integrity of our programming. Moving forward, we're committed to an increased level of transparency with our co-producing partners, said the statement. The PBS ombudsman called the apology late, but welcome. PBS has opened its own internal investigation into the affair after, well, it was exposed after documents stolen from Sony were published by WikiLeaks. Don't tell me WikiLeaks doesn't accomplish anything. And yeah, PBS now has this investigation. So please give. Just for the, not for the programming, for the investigation. A Rockville, Maryland man said he and his family had to sit in seats reeking of vomit on a flight last week from Orlando to Dulles International Airport. Scott Shirley, his wife and young son were returning from vacation on United when they noticed the area under the seats where they had stored their bags was wet. He and his, well, his wife smelled the substance and determined it was vomit. The couple asked for another seat. We were told by the airline that none was available unless they took a flight the next day. Family couldn't change plans. They were forced to fly home with a stench. A spokeswoman for United said the airline apologized for the incident. The situation is certainly one that we wish no customer experience as our cleaners did not fully clean the floor in front of the seats prior to departure. We offered them an alternate flight. They decided to remain on board. The airline spokes. Uh, no, the passenger said the airline brought blankets to cover the area, but were ne never offered to clean it more thoroughly. He said the family's bags, some of them at least, are no longer usable because they carry the smell. Our agents did the best they could in the short time they had to accommodate. We've apologized to his family and offered a gesture of goodwill for future travel. Another plane filled with not quite an identifiable smell. The shorthanded Portland Trailblazers lost the first game of their first-round series with the Grizzlies at the beginning of the week. That wasn't the leading story surrounding the game. Instead, a multi motivational card that included the phrase, we don't lose to Spanish players, stole headlines. Portland's forward Nicholas Batum took responsibility for the remark the next day, saying he didn't men mean to insult anyone. Most notably, the Grizzlies' center, Mark Gasol, was from Spain. I apologize if I hurt some people, said Batum, a Frenchman. And finally, it wasn't just PBS. 
Ben Affleck, describing himself as embarrassed, admitted that he did try to conceal his slave-owning ancestors from the PBS documentary series. I felt embarrassed, he said. The very thought left a bad taste in my mouth. Good thing he didn't fly United. I didn't want any television show about my family to include a guy who owned slaves, he said. The revelation made him feel quite vulnerable. That's good for the acting, Ben. Keep that. Affleck said he hopes, if anything, the PBS controversy would help keep the issue of slavery in the national spotlight. You know what it might do? It might start a national conversation about race. We haven't had one of those in about 14 minutes. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. I can help the next in line. Have you been with us before? I can help the next in line. I don't think I like your tone. From New Orleans, this is the show. You know, why shouldn't our former leaders become incredibly rich? Don't we owe it to them? From outside the bubble, the Telegraph in London, Tony Blair, former Prime Minister of our uh, great friend and uh, sometime poodle Great Britain, is facing fresh accusations of a conflict of interest over his business affairs. Don't you know? It's emerged he signed a controversial contract overseeing mining deals in Latin America. Well, he's got to know about that. He's an expert on... He's being paid to advise the Colombian government on how it spends about $3 billion earned from mining deals. You know, that's his area of... Exp the contract obtained by the Telegraph reveals the Colombian government doesn't pay any fees for his services. They're pro... No. The fees owed to Tony Blair Associates, are paid for by an oil-rich Gulf state where Blair has developed close links. That deal, in turn, raises questions over Blair's role. You know about this role? A Middle East peace envoy. And whether he's used that position to befriend wealthy rulers 
in Abu Dhabi, the capital of the UAE, who are now funding his private consultancy work in Colombia, among other countries. The contract has also prompted concern in Colombia over why UAE was funding Blair's advisory role in the country, with one senior prosecutor writing to the president demanding an inquiry. But you know, guys got to make 100 million or so. On a related subject, questions have been increasing about Hillary Clinton's connection to the Clinton Family Foundation, on the board of which sits Bill, Chelsea, and until very recently, Hillary. Uh, the New York Times this week was first with a story that the uh, State Department under Hillary Clinton helped to uh, pave the way for a Russian company to take over mining interests. There's that mining thing again. It must be important to the economy or something. Mining interests that um, control a significant portion of the world's uranium. Because that don't matter. And uh, other questions are raised about donations to the foundation over the years from Middle Eastern countries. There's that Middle East again. That must be important to the economy. Meanwhile, the Washington Post reports Hillary Clinton has recruited consumer marketing specialists onto her team of trusted political advisors. Their job is to help imagine Hillary 5.0, the rebranding of a first lady turned senator, turned failed presidential candidate, turned secretary of state, turned presidential aspirant. Clinton and her image makers are sketching ways to refresh her well-established brand for tomorrow's marketplace. No details too big or too small from her economic opportunity agenda to the design of the H in her campaign logo. Quote, it's exactly the same as selling an iPhone or a soft drink or a cereal. Unquote Peter Silly, a longtime corporate marketing strategist. Quote, she needs to use everything a brand has. What's Clinton's symbol? Unquote. Look at Budweiser. Says um, an anonymous former advisor to President Obama. That's what Hillary Clinton is. She's not a micro-brew. She's one of the biggest, most powerful brands ever in the country. And recognizing that is important. So she, unquote, she's tapped some of the Democratic Party star strategists as well as two of corporate America's branding wizards, Wendy Clark, who specializes in marketing age-old brands such as Coca-Cola to younger and more diverse customers, and Roy Spencer, a decades-long Clinton friend who dreamed up the Don't Mess With Texas anti-littering slogan as well as campaigns for Southwest Airlines and Walmart. Clinton spokesman Nick Merrill declined to comment on the branding strategy or the specific work of those marketing advisors. People familiar with Clinton's preparation said the two advisors are focused on developing imaginative ways to let Hillary be Hillary, as one person said, and to help her make emotional connections with voters. Spence tried to steer Clinton out of a rough patch in 2008 after her early losses in Ob to Obama. He's credited with soft focus initiatives to reveal what he called, quote, Hillary's heart. Seeley, who's credited with the successful Always Coca-Cola campaign, said that Clinton, like Coke, has incredible top-of-mind awareness. The issue is, what is her promise? With Mercedes, it's quality. With Volvo, it's safety. With Coca-Cola, it's refreshment. If you can get her promise down to one word, that's the key, unquote.
Yes, it does sound like another edition of Clinton Something next here on the show. Something, the candidacy years. Hello. Hi. I'm logged in. Where are they? They should be on. <laughs> I know they should be on, and I should be president, but they're not. I know they got the email. Well, hey. Sorry, we're here. Squillion apologies. We're just stuck. Traffic? I know what you... No, overtime ping pong game. Really vicious. It cheats. I win. But hey, we're not here to talk about that. No kidding. <laughs> so, I'm Hillary, and you two are with... I, I, I gave you the briefing. I just want to hear them tell it. Cool. I'm Sky. I'm Ariel. So, no earth signs? Huh? Go ahead. I was channeling my inner flower child. So, our company is called 404, and we do corporate rebranding for millennials and those Gen Y people who aspire to be millennials. We're here in Austin. And uh, sorry, just going back for a second. Mm -hmm. What's the significance of the name? Well, I think my mom was looking at the sky when she had me. and The company name. It's a code for an internet error. Yeah, when you go to a page that doesn't exist, you get a 404 message. And some of them are pretty boring. And some are, like, super creative. Almost better than if there, if there had been a page there. Mm -hmm. so, so, you're named after a mistake? Uh, an error. You know, but wasn't it Einstein who said, without failure? I think it was Woody Allen. Okay, kids, New Hampshire's waiting. What do you got? Uh, so, what we do is data-driven. People sometimes think we just sit around and make up stuff. But we can't do that without having data first. Good. I like data. My team knows that. No kidding. So, we asked a lot of millennials if Hillary Clinton was a car. What kind of car would she be? A Toyota, a Buick, a Tesla. We also asked them what kind of perfume you'd be and what kind of wine you'd be. Well, yeah, we had a whole series of those. Great. We're paying how much for this? Oh, the questions are free. Mm. It's uh, what we do with the answers that you get invoiced on. Yeah, so here's the takeaway. You're a strong legacy brand. You're a Lexus. You're a Chanel. And you're an Oki Shard. Millennials see those as aspirational, mm -hmm. but maybe unapproachable. Mm -hmm. All right, then. And, and now your answers, because I've got a lunch with some pre-selected random voters and half an... Ready for Hillary. I... I'm sorry. That's been the slogan of our unsolicited supporters since 2013. Yeah, we so. know, we know. We, we want to turn it around. Mm -hmm. Hillary is ready for you. Ready for you means approachable. Ready for you to tell her what you want her to think you want to hear. Ready for your energy. Mm -hmm. Ready mm -hmm. for your vote. Mm -hmm. Ready for whatever. You know, you know when you, uh, like when you're on the basketball court and the, the other team says, are you ready? No. Well, okay. But see, ready can serve as even more of an umbrella brand. Hillary isn't just ready for you. Mm -hmm. She's ready for the debates. Mm -hmm. She's ready for Putin. Mm -hmm. She's uh, ready for the world. It's like you took the 3 a.m. phone call concept from your last campaign mm -hmm. and internalized it to mm -hmm. Hillary. It's always 3 a.m. and she's always... Ready? Said. But that's not all. Mm -mm. Hey, hon. We got your name off the foundation. You just got it. 
Oh, sorry. You Skype in? This is the 404 crew. Yo. We're just brain drizzling. Brain drizzling. Well, waiting for it to become a storm right now. It's just a drizzle. <laughs> 404, huh? Atlanta peeps. You uh, ludicrous homies. Not the area code. Hmm? The error message. Oh. It- uh-huh. Well, look, just uh, initial these and uh, I'll get out of your hair. Which looks nice, by the way. Thank you. This was supposed to have been done before you uh, announced, but we couldn't uh, couldn't do a board meeting. Why not? Chelsea was in the Bahamas. Okay. Go ahead, kids. I can listen while I recuse myself from my foundation. Okay, sure. Hi, Mr. President. Oh, don't mind me. Okay, sure. So, in addition to your brand word, you need a brand color. You think of Coke? You think of red? Which is to keep you from thinking of the actual color of the beverage, which is brown. Right. So, yes, you've got red in your H, mm-hmm. you've got blue in your H, mm-hmm. but we're thinking this. There you go. Thanks, hon. Kids, uh, what is that? It, it's purple on this screen. I can't you quite... You want to bring the red states and the blue states together. Mm-hmm. You want a purple country. You're ready for purple. Excuse me, you're paying for this? We did, like, endless research. Purple has never been a campaign color, at least according to Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't think of it as a feminine color? I know I... I, It is the color of royalty, too. All I know is it is the color of Crown Royal, which is a very aspirational drink for millennials. I don't know if your screen shows this, but in no way is it a lavender. It's it's a really ballsy purple. It's a purple that says ready. Mm -hmm. Purple talks. Oh, it's so like does, right? Uh-huh. You're going to be deep purple? <laughs> this I got to see. Okay, kids, this is great. Obviously, this video is being sent to all of my team. Absolutely. We're getting a Dropbox before the end of the week, and it'll be there. Uh, uh, one more thing, though, right? Okay, but... Just mega key to your brand is your song. He's got you there. Would you? We found out that when you and your husband ran, the song was... Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. No, that Wikipedia is good. No, that was Shazam. Anyway, we still think the the tomorrow meme is, like, great, Mm -hmm. but it has to be refreshed for, like, today. Yeah, I mean, those people singing were great and all, but... The beat was kind of kind of old school. So we've, we've reached out to Jay-Z's people. He is so interested in doing the campaign song. He's already got the title, Tomorrow is My Bitch. He's going to sing it or rap it or what? No, no, but not him personally. It'll probably be uh, one of his protégés, Ray-Zy. We just got a little speed bump or two before we can... Well, you mean the word bitch? Oh, no, he's mega cool with that. His <laughs> people are just insisting on a photograph of you with a bottle of his super premium vodka. And we're not totally sure that that works with the whole middle class campaign meme. Mm-hmm. Good point. Okay, well, let's keep the conversation going. But without me for the moment. Thanks, Sky. Thanks, Ariel. Bye. You're still here? Mm-hmm. Just wanted to pass on a message from our friends in Riyadh. Uh-huh. The Foundation's loss is the Super PAC's gain. <laughs> See you in the purple rain, huh? Middle-aged angst and golden age yearning to serve. Together they add up to Clinton something, the candidacy years. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to present Let Us Try, a ballad of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Let us try to stem the tide to beautify. 
Well, that's one way of putting it. News now, ladies and gentlemen, of the Army Corps of Engineers. A top Corps official this week told a, a Cleveland-area congressman, Representative Bob Gibbs, that she, the Army Corps spokesperson, she hopes this year's dredging of Cleveland's harbor won't be delayed by a lawsuit the state of Ohio filed this month over who's going to pay for the disposal of the sediment dredged when the harbor is deepened. That lawsuit stems from the Army Corps and the Environmental Protection Agency of Ohio's disagreement about the pollution level of the scrapings from the bottom of the Cuyahoga River to allow passage of cargo ships and what can and should be done with that stuff. The Army Corps says some of the material is clean enough to be put in Lake Erie. Ohio EPA says it should be put in a disposal facility instead, which costs more money because the muck contains PCB levels that could contaminate fish. The Army Corps gave Ohio a May 26 deadline to find a non-federal partner, i.e. not the Army Corps, who could pay the more than $1.4 million extra it would cost to put the disputed sediment in a facility instead of dumping it in the lake. This week, Ohio's Attorney General requested a court order that the harbor be dredged while the legal dispute is pending. Assistant Secretary of the Army for Civil Works, Joellen Darcy, was questioned by the congressman this week. I hope you're committed to getting this done even while it's going through litigation, said Congressman Gibbs. Hopefully nobody will hide behind the law. I hope that is the case as well, said Darcy of the Corps. In um, defending the Army Corps' position, the commanding general of the Corps, General Thomas Bostwick, told the congressman the agency decided on open lake disposal of the dredging sediment that contains similar PCB levels in other places besides Cleveland. See? See? What's your problem? Let us try and dump it. Meanwhile, a 10-year-old lawsuit over whether the Army Corps took a portion of the value of land in St. Bernard Parish in the Lower Ninth Ward of New Orleans, St. Bernard adjoins New Orleans, through the flooding caused by the building of the Mr. Go, the Mississippi River Gulf Outlet, may end with financial payments for at least some of the landowners. This according to an order issued by a federal court this week. The order says the judge plans to issue an opinion and order concerning the case on or before May 4th to facilitate a potential resolution of the damages in this case, according to her order. She directs the commander of the New Orleans District Office of the Corps to attend the conference, along with Corps attorneys and attorneys from the Department of Justice. The judge will examine property tax records for those two areas, St. Bernard Parish and Orleans Parish, and ordered federal officials to make the necessary arrangements. You may remember that other lawsuits against the Corps for damage failed because of a... Um, provision in federal law exempting federal agencies from lawsuits for any decisions they make that are discretionary, like should should we build this thing and uh, should we make sure that the walls of it don't erode over time, thereby flooding the wetlands. Those decisions were discretionary and therefore that lawsuit was thrown out. This is a novel lawsuit based on the Fifth Amendment, which says, Private property shall not be taken for public purpose without just compensation. The premise of this lawsuit is the Corps, by its actions, took the private property that was destroyed. We shall see. Let us try. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of our friend the Atom. Clean, safe, to 
Save to save to meter. Save, save to save to meter. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, our friend Addie the Atom here. Addie, how you doing? I'm schwitzing. I'm schwitzing like a, a pig here. Really? Adam's sweat? No, we glow. Got it. Technologies that will enable a nuclear waste to be sealed five kilometers below the Earth's surface could provide a safer, cheaper, and more viable alternative for disposing of high-level nuclear waste. Says who? It's a, a scientist at the University of Sheffield, calculating that all of Britain's high-level nuclear waste from spent fuel reprocessing could be disposed of in just six boreholes, five kilometers deep, fitting within a site no larger than a football field. But then you can play football on it, right? I don't know about that. Niger, one of the world's top producers of uranium, is considering the construction of a nuclear power plant to exploit its own resources after export prices of uranium fell following the Fuk disaster in Japan. Yes? Well, I, I trust them. We have been exporting raw materials without realizing the expected benefits as prices dropped says the Presidential Advisor on Energy and Mining. Nuclear plants are a better way of ensuring our country gets real benefit from the massive uranium deposits. Too bad they don't have radium. They can make watches. Yeah. Dayline Albuquerque, a radiation leak that forced the indefinite closure of the federal government's only underground waste repository could have been prevented. Anything could have been prevented. You think? A combination of poor management, lapses in safety, and a lack of proper procedures were outlined in the final report released by the Department of Energy's Accident Investigation Board looking into the failure, the explosion, the near explosion of a uh, drum of waste material at the WIPP, the Waste, in, in, uh, waste Isolation Pilot Plant in southeastern New Mexico. You almost didn't get that acronym right. I almost didn't. The USS Independence, a World War II Era aircraft carrier has been found in 2,600 feet of water off the coast of California's Farallon Islands, surprisingly intact after 64 years. It was exposed to atomic blasts during the Bikini Atoll tests. Those were A-bomb and H-bomb tests. A-bomb and H-bomb. Until it was deliberately sunk in 1959. The newly completed survey of the wreck was completed by NOAA, the U.S. Navy, and private industry partners, including Boeing. NOAA is currently working to locate, map, and study his, historic shipwrecks in the Gulf of the Farallons off San Francisco, supposedly about 500, sorry, about 300 wrecks. After 64 years on the seafloor, Independence sits at the bottom of, as if ready to launch its planes, says NOAA's chief scientist. I say bombs away. I bet you do. In the mid-20th century, the Farallon site was used extensively for the dumping of nuclear waste. When the Independence was sunk, it was considered hot. Oh, it's still hot to me. And stuffed full of fresh fission products and other radiological waste. I love me some hot fission products. The sinking of the independence, and with it an unknown number, possibly hundreds, of drums filled with radioactive waste, is suspected of contaminating the wildlife refuge in the area. I love me some hot wildlife. As it turns the page on the breakdown of the San Onofre nuclear plant, the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission is standing by its role in overseeing the replacement of steam generators that led to a radiation leak and the facility's early retirement. 
I love me some early retirement. The safety agency also is warning the nuclear power industry that the destructive vibrations among generator tubes carrying radioactive water that occurred at San Onofre could emerge at other reactors over time. Over time, anything could happen. You are philosophical today, aren't you? It's the sweat. Federal regulators assessed a, an $11,000, $200 fine against Chicago Bridge and Iron Company because its workers dropped a prefabricated section for a new nuclear power plant in South Carolina and then tried to cover it up, according to top officials. Well, when you do something wrong, you got to do something. The accident happened March 1 of uh, 2013 at the CB&J manufacturing plant in Lake Charles, Louisiana. They make prefabricated parts for two nuclear power plants under construction in Georgia and South Carolina. While moving a large component, the load swung violently, dropped several feet, and hit the floor because it was improperly secured. Well, an $11,000 fine should take care of all that. You think? My wrist burns thinking about it, and I don't have a wrist. The part was scheduled to be installed at a nuclear plant near Columbia, South Carolina. Utility officials inspected the dropped component after the accident and determined it was safe. The plant in Lake Charles has struggled to meet the nuclear industry's quality rules and the production deadlines for the two nuclear plants under construction. The utility companies who own those nuclear plants have all announced significant delays and cost overruns. It, you got nothing, right? Yeah, I'm tired. It's been a year since Microsoft could discontinued support for the decade-old Windows XP operating system. The company is no longer providing users with temporary security patches. Many companies have already migrated to a more recent operating system, but not TEPCO, the company operating Fook. It's criticized by audit watchdogs for delaying its upgrade from Windows XP. The company has been warned it should replace it with a newer operating system to avoid potential security threats. The company was delaying the upgrade to save $20 million by continuing to run almost 48,000 computers on the decade-old operating system for three more years. I like XP. Makes me feel comfortable. TEPCO announced this week a power outage has shut down all eight water transfer pumps at Fook Number 1 and that radioactive water is again leaking into the Pacific Ocean. We missed the leaking radiation. You did? The pumps are being used to pump tainted water from a drainage channel to another channel leading to a fence enclosed artificial bay. The beleaguered utility said it was checking into what happened and how much water had leaked. I hope they're using those computers. And a labor shortage could be in the works for the decommissioning crew at Fook because, according to Asahi Shimbun, it is unclear to some extent whether it will be possible to secure enough labor because the workers are being forced to leave after reaching the legal limit for radiation exposure. You could dose them some more. Really? Clean, cheap, safe, two undosed to meter. Our friend, the Atom. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe, the USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet. On the mighty 104 in Berlin, around the world via the internet at two different locations, live and archived whenever you want it, harryshearer.com and kcsn.org, available as a free podcast from iTunes, Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. And it'd be just like Adam's actually sweating. 
if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you? Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh huh. The show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Next Island, Hawaii desks. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead and Jenny Lawson at WWNO in New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program and playlist of the music heard here on and Cars I Talk t-shirts, you get them at harryshearer.com. And me. I'm on Twitter, at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station for the Change is Easy radio network. So long from New Orleans.